This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me again today is my co-host, Curtis. And with football players set to begin voluntary workouts in Athens on Monday, this is great news, been waiting on this for a while, without all that going on next week, we wanted to talk some actual football today and talk about as many of those players returning to campus for workouts as we possibly could. Obviously, we don't have time here in one episode to break down each and every player in any sort of depth, so... We figured that the next best alternative to do this in one episode was to talk about each specific position group. And we're going to do that in a fun way by ranking each position group from weakest to strongest heading into the 2020 season. That is obviously a very subjective exercise. And of course, it does involve at least like a fair deal of speculation since we had no spring practice and we also have another number one ranked recruiting class coming in to consider. But it's the offseason, and speculation is just part of the deal this time of the year. It really, I mean, it's it's just the name of the game when you're sitting here in the summer. But as for the show today, we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up to the top from worst to first. And the way we're going to do this today, I think the easiest way to do it, we've done shows like this in the past, and in our experience, it's easier to kind of just let one person's picks guide us. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to let Curtis's rankings guide us today, and I'll throw my thoughts in as we go through it. So, Kurt, if you are ready, my friend, we're going to start the bottom with the 10th-rated position group. We've got 10 positions here today, guys, five on offense, five on defense. We didn't do special teams today. We will talk about special teams later on in the offseason. I promise we're not going to ignore that, but we're sticking to offense and defense today. And, uh, Kurt, who's coming in? At number 10, what position group is at the bottom of your list? Probably to go tight ends. That's exactly where I went as well. Why tight ends for you? Because I think the um, tight ends actually have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, I but think why they have they a the chance bottom? to be pretty good, especially when Darnell Washington, um, people like Ryan Goad or however you say it, people like that, that are if Fitzpatrick. Um, the thing is, they're just so young. They're unproven that it's just a lot of we say they can be good, but we have literally nothing to go off of for most of these guys. Yeah, it's like like there's obviously a certain level of speculation, like I said at the outset, when you do anything like this, rankings, when you're looking at what what we saw last year and you throw in new guys as well, 
and you're trying to project to a new season, there's always going to be speculation, but there's a lot of speculation. It's almost all speculation when it comes to the tight end position. There's very little known quantities right now when it comes to that position here for the University of Georgia. I really like the talent. Uh, it's just we don't have that much experience returning for us, at least experience in our uniform. We've got Trey McKitty, the grad transfer coming from Florida State, and I think he can be a really good player for us. But again, we just we don't know. I went back and, and watched some highlights of his and watched a couple of Florida State games to get a feel for how he would be in our system. But we, we just don't know because we honestly we don't even know exactly what our system is going to be. Like We have ideas, but we don't really even know that. So this is just a really tough position to project into the 2020 season. So that kind of is the reason why more than anything, it's the bottom for me because I like the experience. Uh, I think Darnell Washington, the the true freshman, six foot seven, true freshman tight end that can actually move for a guy that size, which is crazy coming in from Vegas, actually of all places. I think he's a guy, Kurt, do you think he can come in and play right away? I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, especially in the red zone, you're going to see him and Trey McKitty out there in the red zone. I mean, they're going to be a matchup nightmare, especially down there. Yeah, it's it, it, I, it, I always hesitate to put too much too, too many expectations on true freshmen in, in terms of like okay that guy's gonna come in he's going to play right away he's gonna be an immediate impact type guy. There's guys I think have that potential, but it's just hard to say it for sure. I think Darnell Washington is one of those guys that has that potential, but again, uh, without being here for the spring and even you know uh, being quarantined in general, not being able to go out there and work on your game during the off season, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's going to be some rust there. There might be some developmental issues, a, a little bit of delay there in terms of developing to get ready for uh, for the college level. But I think Washington can be that guy. I think you're right in the red zone. I think he's going to be a weapon for us with that size. Absolutely can be a matchup issue. Uh, I also think Brett Seether is a guy that can be a, a good receiving tight end. I don't know if he's ready right now, even with a red shirt year under his belt, to be a, a three down uh, tight end. But I think he's yeah, a guy. We don't know how much weight he's put on. Yeah, it's, exactly. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's this, not Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jesus Christ. John Fitzpatrick uh, at, at tight end as well. He saw some playing time last year, but he was still a little light in the britches last year. And we don't know with him how much weight has he put on. He's got the frame, but how much weight has he put on to fill that out and uh, get to where he can be a little bit more of a contributor? Uh, you mentioned Ryan, Ryan Goatee. He's got a guy coming off of an ACL injury. I'm high on what he can be. I'm really intrigued, actually, by what Goatee can be. He's a guy, if you guys aren't too familiar with him, he's obviously didn't really play last year, uh, coming off the ACL injury. He's 6'6", 240, 245. He's a guy that can be a really good player and a guy that can be another matchup problem for us at tight end. So I think it really all depends on how these guys develop and what the plans are for tight ends in our system. And honestly, I'm not even sure that Todd Munkin knows that yet. Without having been on the field with some of these guys and had a chance to see them work in action and know how they might fit in his system and what he has to work with, I'm not sure he knows right now how much of a, a factor those tight ends will be. So for all those reasons, I think you're right, Kurt. I've got tight ends coming at the bottom of my list as well, although I'm very open to the possibility that if we did this exercise, if we repeated it at the end of the season, there's a very good chance that tight ends could be a little higher on this list. So uh, I'm with you there. But all right, moving on here. Who's coming in at number nine? What position group comes in next? Um, I'm actually going to go with the wide or uh, the running backs. Dude, all right. You hacked into my computer again. I actually have the running backs at number nine as well. And I think some people might be surprised by this uh, because when I was doing my list, I kind of went back and forth a couple different positions here, but I ultimately landed on the running backs at number nine. I think this might surprise people with, with, if you think about our running back history, being RBU and, and the whole nine yards. So explain to us, Kurt, why do you have running backs at number nine? Um, It's very similar to tight ends. Um, We have a little bit more of uh, to go off of, but you still just have a lot of improvements. I mean, Zeus 
We want to see him stay healthy and see how he's going to be two years out from his surgery. Um, James Cook, we want to see him actually used correctly. And I think Kenny McIntosh actually could be a good player going forward. And same with Kendall Milton, but we just haven't seen enough of them to really go off of and to have a true um, any confidence in what they can do, honestly. Yeah, it's the same thing for me, man. I, I agree with you here. It's the same thing for the tight ends. If we just we do, you're right. We know a little bit more about the running backs. We've seen more of these guys in action in the red and black, but we don't really fully know right now what all these guys can be given more opportunities. I will say this, and I've said this before. We've talked about this a couple of times in the offseason during this whole pandemic process. But if Zamir White, if Zeus is back to his senior year high school form, then more to like what you saw Chubb start getting back right. to slowly. Right, exactly. So if he's more of like, okay, like when Nick Chubb came back, the 2016 Nick Chubb was very different than 2017 Nick Chubb. If Zeus, two years removed, just like Chubb was, if he's more, if last year was like Zeus as the 2016 Nick Chubb and this year is going to be Zeus as the 2017 Nick Chubb, obviously not being Nick Chubb, but like that's what, at that level in his recovery process, then this is way too low. This rating is way too low. I will acknowledge that. But I just don't know what exactly he's going to look like right now and what we've seen of him. That's all we have to go on right now. What we've seen of him in action at Georgia is that he wasn't what he once was before the injuries. Doesn't mean he can't get back there. I think he can. Nick Chubb has shown us that we've seen that in recent history, but we just, it's, 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 so it's completely reasonable to think he might get there. And I'm open to that. I, I hope that's the case. I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. That's the case, but I need to see that before I count on it. Is that kind of where you are, Kurt? Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. exactly what about why. James Cook? Is this a guy that you think has a, a chance? His whole, through his whole career, the knock on – I don't, don't want to say it's a knock, but like what people say about James Cook is that he's, you know, he's a scat back. You know, he's a change of pace kind of back. Do you, are you with that line of thinking, or do you think – I think the guy can run between the tackles. Work. But, um, I mean, I, the biggest thing with him is it doesn't matter what type of running back he is. If he's not used correctly, he's wasted. And I think that we, he's so versatile that we can use him in a lot of different ways, and that's something I see – Monk and having the ability to hopefully, you know, uh, spotlight James Cook. Yeah, be a little bit more creative in how we get him the ball out of the backfield and the, the passing. I think is one thing that can certainly help. But I, I really firmly believe that he can be a guy that can run between the tackles. I'm not going to say he's going to be like a, a Zamir White and just bouncing off people or Nick Chubb. I'm not saying he's going to run with that kind of power. But I think this notion that he ha- does not have the ability to run between the tackles, I think that's a little misguided. I, sure, he's not the biggest running back we've got, but I don't. It's not like he's like five foot eight 165 pounds i mean and he actually put on some mass last year and from what i've seen before the pandemic he was putting on mass yet again so i think he's going to be ready to compete for more serious playing time as an every down back and i would i certainly would not count him out of this out of this equation at all he's a very talented back we know that which guys and you're right it's about utilization with him and how we utilize him uh, i'm also really high on kendall milton uh, how like what is your take on Kendall Milton? I know we haven't seen him here at Georgia, but a lot of people got down on him late in the process. And honestly, I think it's because of just some low forty times, like in the four. And when I say low, I'm talking like four six, mid four six range. Like, but what is your take on Kendall Milton? Like, what what do you? Expect I think the guy him? can be a monster. I mean, he's a very powerful runner, and the thing is, he can catch a ball out of the backfield. And the to like, you know, I've kind of compared him to Derrick Henry in the fact that once he gets going, you're not stopping him. If he can get downhill on you, it's gonna be he's a he's a a tank. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think Derrick Henry is a, is a good comparison. I don't think he's quite the overall athlete that Derrick Henry is. I mean, Derrick Henry was a monster athlete. And Derrick Henry was also a little bigger. Kendall Milton's a bigger back, but he's not quite as big as Derrick Henry. But I, I think that's a really good comparison. I made that comparison myself. Um, but I, he's a guy that, let's not forget, early in the process of, of the 2020 class, Kendall Milton was a five-star prospect. And as he went to some camps and he had some 40 times there in the, the mid-4-6 range, 
then all of a sudden his rankings start to drop. And that's fine. Look, I know a lot of people out there put a lot of stock into 40 times for running backs. And look, it's it's not unimportant. It's, it's certainly a factor in what kind of player you are. But in terms of all the skills that a, a running back needs to be an elite running back, I, I put your 40 time way down the list, way down the list. Uh, now, I'm not saying you can, be, you can go out there and run like a 5-2-40 and be an elite running back. No, but like if you run, like if you're at the college level, you can come out of high school, you're 18 years old, and you can run in the 4-6 to 4-7 uh, in that range, and you have the size that Kendall Milton has, along with the other skill sets he brings to the table. You mentioned his hands. I think this guy has elite short area quickness, which to me is far more important for a running back than a, elite breakaway home run type speed. I'd love to have the home run speed, but I think that's more of a luxury than something that's, that's an absolute necessity when it comes to being a high-level running back, uh, especially at the college level. So I think Kendall Milton's going to be a really good player for us, and I would not be shocked – if that was sooner rather than later, to be honest. So I'm not one of those guys that's down on him because of some a couple of 40 times here and there. I think he's still a really high-level back. And you mentioned Kenny McIntosh, Kurt. I think he's the wild card in this whole situation. He's another guy that we didn't see a ton of last year, but I like what I saw from him. He, he's, he's not exactly like Kendall Milton, but there's some similarities there in terms of – I don't think like, – Kenny McIntosh is not a burner, right? Is that what no, you he, but to me, I like it. The one thing I really like about Kenny McIntosh is the balance he runs with. Yeah, he has great balance. An, another guy like Kendall Milton, good, very good short area quickness. He has a nasty jump cut uh, that kind of reminds me of the old Elijah Holyfield jump cut. He used it a couple times, actually, in the bowl game as Baylor. But he had a little bit more playing time with uh, with the Swift injury and Harry not being there. Uh, he, he showcased that jump cut there. I think it was it was one of the the, the little sisters of the poor teams, one of the baby seals that we were clubbing early in the year where uh, late in the game of the fourth quarter where he was getting some garbage time carries, and uh, he made a little jump cut line of scrimmage. There was nothing there. He makes a little quick jump cut to the outside, to the left, and boom, he's gone, uh, put six on the board. So uh, we've seen it in, in, in small sample sizes from him, but he's a guy that I'm, I'm intrigued by. He's the wild card here, and I'm, I'm certainly going to count him out of the, of the battle here. So, again, our, I'll say this. If running back and tight end, if those two, honestly, are the lowest rated positions on our team, wouldn't you say we're in pretty good shape this year, Kurt? I would, yes. Yeah, I mean, think about the talent we have at both those positions. Yeah, it's young, some, it's somewhat inexperienced in, in some respects, but with all the talent we've amassed at both those positions, I mean, we've got multiple five stars. Uh, or at least we, yeah, we've got Zeus as a five star. You got Darnell Washington as a five star, and everyone else is essentially a four star there, uh, with a few exceptions, maybe Kenny McIntosh. No, actually, I think Kenny McIntosh jumped into the four star range late in that process. Uh, but some high-level guys there. And if those two are the lowest-rate positions that we can come up with coming into the 2020 season, I think we might be in for a pretty good season this year. Well, we'll see, but uh, I'm feeling pretty confident there. All right, moving on. Who's What group is coming at number eight for you? Um, I'm going to go with the defensive line. Okay, now, all right, now here's where we're going to differ for, for the first time. I have the defensive line a good bit higher than number eight. So why defensive line all the way down at number eight for you? Uh, my biggest thing is um... – just, I think, outside of Jordan Davis and Devontae White, you have a lot of unknowns. Uh, people that I think can come in and do it, like Jalen Carter, some of these other guys. Um, but we just haven't seen them do it. Yeah, uh, and that's a fair way to look at it. There, I, I do think that we've got some young talent that's going to be really good. But, again, we haven't seen them do it as much. But there's a couple of guys that I think have performed at a really I mean, I pro- realistically, I probably should have gone with the receivers. But I'm just thinking outside of Jordan Davis and uh, Wyatt. Would you okay? Are you talking about just interior defensive linemen, or are you also? Yeah, I'm, in I'm talking that? interior. I'm not really including Malik Herring because okay. I mean, you so never if you know threw Malik Herring in there, because 
because I, I included the, I included the five techs in here, not 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 just the interior guys. I included all the defensive linemen in here. I mean, I, if if that's the case, then I probably would have gone with the receivers and then gone with the D line, probably right above them. Okay, okay. So for me, yeah, for me, I actually had the defensive line on my list coming in number four, uh, and I know that might seem a little high because that's kind of been you know over the I don't know really almost decade or so, defensive line has been a position where we just haven't been elite, and it's been a minute. It's been a while. But I think we've got some guys that have performed at a really high level. Jordan Davis, I think, is on the precipice of becoming an absolute beast, like a potential. I think, like, how much of a stretch is it to say Jordan Davis has, like, first-round draft potential? I think it's just a little bit of a stretch just at the position he plays. You don't see a lot of yeah. nose. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. if he was more of a three-tech, yeah. Because uh, they I want think- guys that are either going to get pass rush. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd have to fit into a 3-4 defense, like he, like for us. He's going to have to play the nose somewhere. So I, if he got the right fit, I, I could certainly see him. I mean, maybe first round is a little bit of a stretch. But I mean, you already I, saw I his freshman year pick. that difference our defense had when he was in there. Yeah, I, I mean, as a freshman, the difference that he made immediately right away uh, was was obvious. And when he's in there, we're a different kind of rush defense. There's no doubt. Actually, like when I when I look down at, watching a game and I see that he's not in, I'm like, ah, oh, God, he's taking a breather. It's like, oh, well, uh, or you I'm see gonna... a big play happen and you look out and see him coming yep. back onto the field. You're like, okay, yep. yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, and I think Devontae Awai, he's a guy that was a really I don't unsung hero is probably a little bit uh, of a strong way to say it. I don't know if I would know if I would go that far, but I think he was a really underrated player for us last year. I know Tyler Clark obviously is a uh, really a three-year starter, four-year contributor for us, was a guy that got a lot of the love. And um, and, he sh- and he flashed, and he did some really good things for us. He was a really good player for us for a, for many years. But I think Devontae Awai was a more consistent player than even Tyler Clark was last year, certainly as a pass rusher. I think he was the most effective interior pass rusher that we had from that defensive line position. And I think with another year under his belt that he is going to be poised to take a, a really solid step here and become a really, really good SEC defensive linemen. I would mention Malik Herring. So if I, 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 again, I threw the five techs in here, the the, out, the uh, defensive ends. Malik Herring, if you throw him in there. I mean, guy, I mean dude, Malik Herring, if you look, and I, and I throw these numbers out there because uh, it, it's something to talk about. And I don't know, I, I always struggle with pro football focus because I don't know what their methodology is and how they go about compiling these numbers and, and how they grade players. But according to pro football focus's grades, Malik Herring is the highest rated returning defensive lineman in the entire SEC among defensive linemen with, with at least 320 snaps. The highest rated returning defensive lineman in the entire league, the best league in America, with some really good defensive linemen. Malik Herring is an elite five-tech defensive end. He doesn't get a lot of love because he doesn't throw like nationally because he doesn't put the sacks up uh, like a lot of guys do. But that's just not what we do in our defense. We're going to talk about. We're going to do a show on that later on in the offseason. We talk about why we don't put up the pass rush numbers that some other teams do. I think it's more scheme than anything. But Herring is a he, he's a He's a dominant five tech. He, he, based on what he's asked to do, he does it as well as any anyone in the league. Uh, so I'm really high on him. I think uh, Trevon Walker is a guy that's poised to take a massive step this year. I think he could jump on the scene and be a big time player for us. Let's not forget about the old 40 year old man, Julian Rochester's back, baby. I mean, Julian. I mean, he's not, he's never been elite, but he's he's been a, a good solid role player for us. There's no doubt there. And you mentioned you throw in a guy like Jalen Carter as a true freshman. I know he's a true freshman. It's really hard to compete uh, in the trenches as a true freshman at a high level. But I think Jalen Carter is the next great Georgia defensive lineman. I think he's going to change the game for us on the defensive line. You throw in guys like Tymon Mitchell, Zion Lowe, Walt Bauer, Bill Norton. I think we've got some depth, some really good quality depth, and we've got a couple guys 
at the top of the line there that are going to be really, really good for us. I think we've really flipped this position. So um, for me, I, I had him a little higher going to number four. So uh, that's you had number eight. Who did you have coming in at number seven? Um, then I'd just go to the wide receivers. Um, okay. I mean, outside Pickens, you have guys that can do it. They just haven't done it. I mean, I think Demetrius will be feature more prominent and have this offense will fit him better personally where he's not trying to fit a specific role. Um, and especially with these young guys, but once again, very similar to all the other groups, you know, a lot of young guys that have the talent, but can they do it? Like Tommy Bush, can he, uh, you know, stay healthy? And cause I think that if he's healthy, he may have been an impact, not impact player, but he could have made some plays for us last year. Um, and maybe Matt Landers will <clears throat> toughen up or whatever he mm-hmm. needs to do to get over it. Um, but I think that they okay. have the players to do it. It's just outside of Pickens, can they do it? Why didn't you have the wide receivers? I, I agree with you. I had I had the wide receivers ahead of both the running backs and the tight ends. But I think it might surprise some people based off what we saw from the wide receiver position last year and how much of a uh, really just uh, an anchor it was for our offense. I mean, there were many anchors, but that was certainly one of them for our offense last year. I think some people might be surprised that both of us had the wide receivers a little bit ahead of the running back. So why did you have the receivers? Because ahead of the I think realistically, we've seen a lot of the athletic ability from our receivers. They just honestly, it, it was like trying to put a you know a, a square peg in a circular hole. Sometimes with our players, where they're trying like Harris Jackson and people like that, even Tyler Simmons last year, like trying to make them do these specific roles that they weren't made to play. And I think that Todd Monkin's offense will be a little bit better suited to just trying to get players open themselves instead of trying to make them fit into his system perfectly like we were doing uh, last year. And and I think that's the only thing. Like, I know what some of these guys' athletic ability can do if they're just used correctly. Yeah, that's that's my sentiment as well. I, I think we, – we, we've talked about this many times before. I don't think that we, it's necessarily a lack of overall talent receivers, just the utilization and the offense, the scheme, all those things – um, I had the wide re- honestly, like I had the wide receivers ahead of the running backs and tight ends uh, for a lot of the reasons you said, but also honestly, just by virtue of how good I think George Pickens is, I, I, honestly, she's just the one guy. Even if the rest of them were complete trash, which I don't think they are, but even if they were, just by virtue of the fact that we have George Pickens, I I, I have them ahead of the running backs and tight ends right now because I think I think the guy is that good. Like we saw George make this spectacular look routine last year, like this this crazy insane catches. We saw him attack defenders as a blocker sometimes <laughs> a little too far when you throw a, uh, was it Trey Swilling, the, the Georgia Tech DB, throw him into the, into the, uh, into the wall there. Now that I would not like to see, I like to see him cut that kind of stuff out. And I think he will as he continues to grow and mature. Uh, I trust Kirby there. And we saw him grow as a player as the season wore on. He got better and better. I mean, uh, one of, uh, here's another stat. I think this was from also from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he had the second lowest drop rate among all SEC wide receivers, not just last year, in the last four years combined, the only uh, receiver – actually, it was a tight end. The only guy that, that had uh, a lower drop rate over the past four years was Hayden Hurst, the tight end from South Carolina years. I think it was with the Falcons now, actually. Uh, and George George's was at 2% last year, 2% drop rate. The lowest the – I mean, that guy, his hands year. are incredibly sh- – like, if you give his hands to Matt Landers, Matt Landers is the first-round pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely, 100%. 100 percent I mean George is a great athlete he can he jumps he extends he's got great body control but the hands man the hands and we, we we pay attention to that with the spectacular catches and he makes the spectacular catches but it's what he does play in and play out that kind of just goes unnoticed yeah like some of those where he catches him in traffic he just takes that ball away like yeah. you're not getting it from him extraordinarily strong hands uh, and and he's got some room to still continue to grow obviously but when you go for over 700 yards as a true freshman in our offense from last year, and, and there were three different games where he only had one catch. Three different games, he only had one catch. And he still put up over 700 yards receiving. 
the sky's the limit for this guy. And I cannot wait to see him with a competent offensive coordinator, a guy that actually features his best players like Justin Blackman from years past at Oklahoma State goes over 1,500 yards receiving with, with Todd Munkin's office. I don't know if our offense is going to look like that, but I, 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 I've said it before, I think George Pickens goes for over 1,000 yards this year. I think he'll be the second receiver in Georgia history to do it, and he's going to do it this year. I, I feel – I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. Um, and I, I still think a, a guy like D-Rob, like Kurt, like D-Rob, remember how excited everybody was when we got his commitment? I mean, because you finish? saw the big numbers he put up in a Cal offense. Yes, as a freshman. He went for over 700 yards With at the Cal terrible as a freshman. quarterback and things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, and I, I think D. Rob is talented. I think he can be a playmaker in the right system if you use him the right way. It goes back to utilization. And I have more faith in Todd Munkin to do that than any of the guys that we've had uh, that he's that he's worked with since he's been here. And uh, you, you throw in guys like you mentioned, Kiaris Jackson, Dominic Blaylock. If he comes back healthy, that's and that's an that's iffy for me with the, the ACL. But we've seen guys come back and do it. Um, and I think both those guys, like you said, can be very effective if used correctly. I just don't think they were used correctly last year. You know, going back and watching, I've spent the past week since we got the JT Daniels transfer news, going back and pulling up uh, during my lunch hour every day, just going back and pulling up uh, old tapes from 2018 with JT Daniels playing quarterback at USC. You kind of just see, you know, and I watch a lot of games that that season. I'm going to go back and watch him again, watch every pass he's thrown. That's my goal is to watch every single pass the guy through as a true freshman. And one guy that kind of stood out to me because we have a guy that I think is can compare to him very favorably is Amon Ross St. Brown. It's a really good receiver for USC with over 750 yards as a true freshman, over a thousand yards last year as a true sophomore. I think he is a spitting, I think Don Blake is a spitting image of Amon Ross St. Brown. They are extraordinarily similar players in what they do. But Amon Ross St. Brown put up massive numbers because he was in a system that allowed him to put massive numbers and they used him in a way that allowed him to put massive numbers. He operates almost exclusively out of the slot. That is what Don Blaylock can do. Option routes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, he, he's not going to put up a thousand yards this year because we're not running the air raid. But I think Diamond Blaylock can be a much more effective receiver force than he was last year if used correctly. And I just I, that's just one that stood out to me. I'm on race. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Seriously, guys, go watch him. Go pull some highlights of him at USC. You will see a spinning image of Don Blake. Actually, Don Blake's actually a little bit bigger. If you look at his 40 times in high school, I know Don's 40 times weren't off the charts, but he was actually faster than I'm on Ross St. Brown. St. Brown put like in like a mid four six range. Dom was in the mid four five range a couple of times. So uh, I think Dom and Blaylock can be a really good player if we use him correctly. Then you also throw in the incoming wide receiver class uh, as the true freshman, Justin Robinson, Marcus Rosemey, two bigger body guys, uh, Jermaine Burton, uh, Arian Smith, two speedier guys. I think Arian Smith is a spitting image of Devontae Smith at Alabama in terms of what he looked like coming out of high school and just what his game is right now. Uh, I think, it, it, honestly, if just one of those guys can step up and, make, and be a playmaker for us this year, I think we're going to be in really good position at the wide receiver spot and and Matt to me Matt Landers and Tommy Bush they're wild cards like anything we get from them is gravy right now so I think we're in better shape at wide receiver than people would be led to believe it's just a matter of using those guys more effectively and more efficiently which I have hope that Todd Munkin will do uh, all right so uh I had actually had the wide receivers at number eight for me so we were we're pretty close there Kurt I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So who do you have coming to number six on your position rankings? Ooh, uh, number six is probably where I'm going to start going with the inside linebackers. Okay. And so, so I have inside linebackers a little higher than you. So tell me why do you have them at number six? Um, Outside Monty Rice, we have guys that we believe can step in and actually be game changers. But have we seen them do it consistently? No. And I think that's the reason good why. Good point. Yeah, good point. Good I point. Mean, we yeah. know N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker are both physically gifted guys that have shown spurts of making things happen. But – we just haven't asked them to do it on a down-in, down-out basis, and that's what I need to see first before I rank them higher. Like, If we had a bunch of Montes, then you know they're top three. Um, but outside Monty, it's just once again I, – I mean, that's why some of these guys are, are – these groups are ranked lower. It's just all the unknowns, and that's what I think of when I think of Quay and Nakobe. That's a really good point. Uh, Monty Rice is clearly the alpha inside linebacker right now. I actually had the inside linebackers at number three. Uh, and Monty Rice is a big part of that. I think Monty Rice has turned himself into a borderline elite inside linebacker in the SEC. And I don't think he was that when he got here. This is a guy that's gotten a lot better. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think that a coach that uh, is on the hot seat could develop him into something. Yeah, yeah, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I and mean, if you guys missed the, the the mailbag show, or the recruiting mailbag show, we had a question about Glenn Schumann about how, like, is it time to move on from Glenn Schumann because he's not recruiting well and I'm not developing guys? And it's like, wait, are we sure he's not recruiting well? Because, like, I, I personally think he is. Uh, that's just me. Uh, and I, th- I think he's doing an outstanding job developing guys. Because Monty Rice was a good player. Actually, I thought Monty Rice was a better player coming out of high school than Nate McBride was. Some people were surprised by that because McBride was ready to hire. If you actually watched him play, Rice was a better inside linebacker. Uh, McBride was maybe a better overall athlete. But he you could see in his tape that McBride just wasn't a pure inside linebacker. They just wasn't a natural thing for him. He was a, you know, running a straight line, then he's elite. But outside of that, and that's why he hasn't really – Crack the starting lineup at all. I never, never was really surprised by that. And Monty Rice is a guy that I think was under undervalued coming out of high school, out of Alabama, and he's turned himself into a really good linebacker. He's got, and I think he was better than McBride coming in, but I still don't know if Monty was really close to being elite. Um, but he's worked his tail off, and he's been developed. And credit to him, credit to Glenn Schumann, credit to Kirby, all those guys involved. And he's turned himself into a borderline elite inside linebacker. I think his, I think he's gotten faster as time has gone on. There were a couple of plays late last year where I saw him make some plays silent sideline that I did not think he had in him. And he has made, he has made me a believer. He has made me a believer. I wasn't always sure how, like, what his ceiling could be, but I think he is a potential All SEC caliber inside linebacker. I, I think he's that good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say All American, but All SEC. Yeah, I think Monty Rice is that good. Um, and then you, you're right, Curb. Outside of Monty, we have guys with a really high upside that have produced in smaller roles, but we we do need them to take steps this year. And I'm talking about Quay Walker. Yeah, because like N'Kobe, you saw a lot of him on third downs and things like yeah. that, and sometimes the first and second downs, but a majority of him was in passing situations or third down situations, yeah. and we just didn't see him consistently enough in stopping the run. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was he was in the rotation, but you're right. He was, he was not um, a guy that was asked to play first and second down all that much. He was more of a third down type guy, but I'm still really high on his upside. And he's not the biggest guy in the world. There's, there's no doubt about that. But what I did see from him when he did get some chances on, on early downs was playing against the run is uh, he does a really good, he's very instinctive at that position. He does a really good job 
of attacking towards line of scrimmage and kind of fitting in uh, between the offensive linemen, kind of just navigating traffic, which is one of those things almost uncanny. I don't, it's tough to teach that to to some level. Um, so I really think, despite the size, I love his athleticism, that I think he can be a really high-level inside linebacker for us. I'm really high on him. And I, you guys know what I think of Quay Walker. I think Quay Walker's – his upside is off the charts. I think Quay Walker is a guy that has all-American potential. I don't know if he'll get there, but he – he has that potential, the versatility, the athleticism. I'm extraordinarily high on him. I, I really believe that he can be uh, one of those linebackers. Of the, you know, he's not the. He's actually way more athletic than some of the early linebackers Kirby had at Alabama. The Rolando McLeans, those kind of yeah. Guys. Say, uh, the Rolando McLeans, the the comparison I see for him. Yeah, I think he's more. I think he's really. Yeah, I have, and I'm not saying he's going to be. He's as good as Rolando McLean, but I think no. he's well, ho- hopefully he's as he, good, just not as mentally unstable. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I just think he has great athleticism, great versatility, and I think he got he made huge strides from year one to year two. And I'm very anxious to see what he can do from year two to year three. I, so he's a guy that I really wish that we could have had some spring practice with for him to continue that development. I uh, hope that doesn't stunt that growth too much. But I'm really excited to, to see what he can be this year. So yeah, you're right. There's a, there's definitely more than a little bit of speculation here, but uh, I think we had the potential. You throw in Chan Tindall as well. I think we have the potential to be really, really, really good at that position. Uh, I think I'm, I'm high on all those guys, but yeah, there, there's, there's some, uh, some, there are some steps that need to be taken there for sure. All right, who you got coming in at the halfway point, number five well, in your rankings? At number five, I'm going to go with the quarterbacks. Um, okay. I, my thing is, as good as Jamie Newman is, um, outside of him, especially if J, you know JT Daniels, you don't know if he's cleared or not. Um, but outside them, you have no clue. I mean, what you're truly getting in backup wise, so. Jamie Newman, similar to, you know, at the linebacker position like Monty Rice, you have an alpha out there, but just back behind him, you really don't know what you have. Yeah, and all of that depends, obviously, on whether or not JT Daniels gets his transfer waiver approved. I, I don't know. And, and I told you guys, actually, I kind of rethought this. Uh, I, I might have flipped here, changed my mind on this. I, I told you when we did the JT Daniels show last week, and Kurt, you were, you were saying that you thought he probably gets his eligibility. I said, I'm Yeah, because so those sure. quarterbacks get the eligibility when no they, one else they, Yeah, you're right. And I, and I thought about it more over the weekend, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Quarterbacks do often – they're the ones that usually benefit from this. And then I saw Lorenzo Lingard, the transfer from Miami that went to Florida – uh, he got his eligibility, and it's almost the, there's he has no more. Yeah, he literally traveled rationale. within the state. Yeah, absolutely. He has like his, his basically his rationale was I got no carries of, at Miami, and I'm moving in state. Like he's not. It wasn't a family thing. Like you're already in the state of Florida. So if, if he, with his rationale, which was very thin, in his case was extraordinarily thin, in my opinion, got his eligibility. That's what did it for me. It's like, well, if he if he's going to be eligible, maybe then why can't JT Daniels? At least J.D. Daniels was dealing with an injury. Like, I mean, and, got, and lost his job that way. So I've rethought that, and actually I do think he's going to be eligible this year. So and we'll see. And I, I, I don't know. We'll probably won't, we might not even know until fall camp starts or well into fall camp. Who knows? But I think he's going to be eligible. So that's, gonna, that's very interesting to me. And, and so this quarterback rating for me, I had them at number six, by the way, on my list. So very, very close to where you had them. Um, my ranking of the quarterbacks number six is based on both those guys being eligible. I don't know if that's going to happen, but right now, based off what we've seen, I've changed my tune on that. I think he's probably going to get his eligibility. So, Kerr, how much of a stretch would it be if JT Daniels was eligible this year? How much of a stretch was it to say that we potentially have two first-round draft picks at quarterback on the roster? I think it's very fair when you account to the offense that we're going to be running. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's – crazy to say that I, and my, i'm not guaranteeing that's going to happen but i mean if you look at some of the mock drafts and look mock drafts change i mean jr reed was a first round draft pick 
on some of the Jake mock drafts. was a potential first round pick. Right? right, exactly. Right. So like those things change. I'm not saying like that's written in stone, like it's way too early, but like Jamie Newman has gotten Jamie, like they're, they're in NFL circles. Like I don't even know if it's NFL circles. Jamie Newman would have been drafted before Jake from and Eason if he had gone. I think so. I think I yeah, I think so. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. So if he has and I know some of that's a projection of okay, now he's playing at George with better players, so he's gonna put better numbers and get more uh publicity and then more uh just more eyes on him. So yeah, then that will move him up the draft boards. And I think that's reasonable. I think Newman, I'm not gonna say he's going to be a first round draft pick, but I don't think it's out of the question to say that it's, it's a possibility. I would say the same thing for for JT Daniels. I'm not gonna say JT Daniels is a lot for a first round NFL draft pick, but I think going back and I, seriously, I've watched. I've gotten through about half the season now of his freshman year, and I, from what I've seen as a freshman, he was it was not perfect. There were some inconsistencies there, but I saw him do a lot of things that you have to do at the next level. Uh, and I, I think this, and I was as a true freshman, as, as a, a, a guy that was, should have been in a senior year of high school, actually playing in the, in the Power Five. So I think that he has that potential. Will he get there? We'll see. Uh, but you're right in our system. I think he's going to have a shot. So I think I don't think that's too much of a stretch. So to, to me, that's why I had them higher than you know the offensive line, or sorry, the uh, running backs, the tight ends, wide receivers, the whole nine yards. And if you look at Jamie Newman, I know he did not play in the SEC last year. Let's throw that caveat out there. I know he's playing the ACC. The ACC is a trash conference. I get that. But he was also playing with Wake Forest caliber players. Let's also throw that in there. But Jamie Newman had the he has the highest. Passing, passing last year he had the highest passing grade among returning SEC quarterbacks. I know again he didn't play in the SEC, but still of the quarterbacks that will be SEC quarterbacks this year is the highest passing grade among all the returning guys at 86.2 according to Pro Football Focus. Matt Jones, and it's actually not even close, really. Matt Jones is number two in the SEC among returning quarterbacks uh based off Pro Football Focus's numbers from last year. And Jamie Newman, his 86.2 rating, um, had him at number one. Matt Jones comes at number two at 79.5. That's a pretty sizable gap between number one and number two in the SEC among returning quarterbacks. Oh, and I'm just, I know this is this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but just for uh just to, to laugh at, you want to guess that Kyle Trask, his passing grade on pro football focus last year, Kurt? Probably a, a scale of zero to one hundred. Uh fifteen. A little bit higher than that, sixty-six point four. But Jamie Newman, you, you, you hear all the Florida fans talk. We'll talk a little bit more about this as the season, as the offseason continues to progress. You hear all these Florida fans talk about how this is the year, and one of the main reasons they're saying this is we have a better quarterback. And I'm saying, huh? Do you now? Really? Eighty-six point two, sixty-six point four. In Pro Football Focus, it's one metric. I get it. And, and Trask had some solid numbers overall, but. If you just honestly, if you just watch the guys play, Jamie Newman's a better quarterback, hands down. She's a better quarterback, but let's we'll, we'll hold that for another day. Um, so uh, honestly, like the quarterbacks, I honestly thought about having them a little higher because I, if you have two f- potential first round draft picks on your roster, no guarantees, but like there's a possibility those both those guys be first round draft picks at some point. Like you would think they'd be a little bit higher, but to me, it's the fact that neither one of those guys has ever played a snap for us, uh, combined with the fact that we had no spring practice that pushed this position a little further down the list for me. But I do have it as the highest-ranked offensive position uh, in my rankings. Throw that out there. But, um, all right, who you got coming in number four in your rankings, Kurt? Uh, number four, I'm going with the offensive line. Okay, um, now you have them higher than I do. I had the offensive line down at number seven this year. So why do you have them at number four? Uh, well, I think having Ben Cleveland come back, led by also um, Trey Hill coming back for his third year of playing, is going to be huge. And then also, I mean, tackle-wise, there's a little bit of unknowns, but I think you have Schaefer who's – 
has experience at the guard position playing some reps. And then I think you that no matter Justin where Chandler. he goes, Jamari Salyer is going to be very successful. Yeah, I, I, I feel good about Salyer, whether it's guard or tackle. I, and even center. I, I'd be fine with him there. I think he's, he's going to be a great player regardless. Uh, look, you make some good points there. And here's what I would say. I, I, I struggle with this one too because I, I think the opposite line, we have a lot of talent. And I know what people would say is like, hey, we're losing – this is what everyone says. George is losing four starters on the offensive line. Well, what was the strength is now going to become one of the, the weaknesses. And I just don't know that. I know I have them at number seven, but I still feel really good about the offensive line. Yeah, like, I mean, consider all we recruit is four and five stars at that position. Exactly, exactly. And even the guys that uh, that are coming back, we have five guys coming back with starting experience. Uh, two of those guys with extensive starting experience in Trey Hill and then Cleveland. Uh, and then on top of that, we, you, know, you just said, we've been stacking up all that talent, four and five stars offensive line for a reason. Like we knew we had guys are going to leave early. When you recruit four and five stars on the offensive line, you know they leave early. And so you don't want to have to skip a beat when you recruit guys like we have. And that's kind of what I expect. I mean, we got five stars like Clay Webb, Roger Jones, Tate Ratledge, Jamari Salyer. I know Roger Jones and Ratledge are, are true freshmen, but hey, we've seen true freshmen come in here recently. And, and play for us. We've seen that happen. You know, whether it was Cade Mays, uh, Andrew Thomas, like they've they've played and been impact players for us. Jamari Salyer's guy, like you like you mentioned, I feel really good about Jamari Salyer. And Clay Webb, I think, is going to battle for one of those guard spots. I I wouldn't shock me at all to see him win one of those jobs. So I think whatever it ends up, however it ends up looking, with you know, Warren McClendon, trust of the tackles, Roger Jones, Ratledge, they come in and win a tackle job at Salyer. However, it works out. I feel pretty good about our offensive line this year maybe not as good as, as some other positions but i still feel like we're going to be good good enough there to uh to win the sec i think we, we certainly will be all right who let's get into your top three kurt who's coming at number three for you um i'm going with the outside linebackers um i think we're absolutely okay. stacked there but the other two are just higher in my opinion um but i mean i don't you're it's gonna be hard to find as deep as a position group as we have right now there with uh, aziz Nolan, Jermaine Johnson, Adam Anderson, just those four right there jumping off at you. Okay, Sherman coming in this year. It's a true freshman who I'm really high on. Exactly. So I think that that's a very, very deep position for us. Okay, I went back and forth. I, th- I know I think I, I know who you – I know your f- top three. I don't know what order you have them in. I know you – well, I know you have line, outside linebackers number three. Um, you and I are very similar here in a lot of respects. I had the outside linebackers a little higher than you. I, had, I actually had them coming in number one for me. And I considered – uh, I don't know where you have the cornerbacks coming in. The cornerbacks were the other one I considered to be number one for me. Uh, but outside linebackers, for me, it's that we literally have every single player coming back. And they all played at a high level last year. Aziz took a huge step in year two. Nolan was great as a freshman, was was really good. I mean, not great, but really good as a freshman. Jermaine Johnson came in and, and, and made uh, an impact for us at times. Adam Anderson had a, had a role on third downs. It was a really impact player on third downs for us. We have Walter Grant still kind of coming when, when the few times we ever went to our base package, Walter Grant would come in. Um, so all those guys come back, throw in MJ Sherman. And, and I don't think, again, I don't think people would think this, but here's a, a couple more pro football focused stats for you guys. Again, I don't know how they compute their numbers and how they crunch them, all that, but these are the numbers they came up with. And they're usually, they're usually pretty accurate in, in, in the numbers that they put out there. So we last year, Kurt, we were number five nationally in total quarterback pressures. We not in sacks, but in QB pressures, which is really what Kirby talks about all the time. You want to pressure the quarterback and force him into mistakes, force him to throw the ball away, all that kind of stuff. Getting getting him down the ground helps, but pressure is number one. You got to have that's essential. Uh, we were also top ten, number nine nationally in team pass rush grade on third down, which does not surprise me. It's when we actually finally let our our pass rushers 
just go most of the time. We don't really do that. And we'll talk more about this later on in the in the offseason when we do that show. But on first and second down, we just don't really let our pass rushers pin their ears back and rush the passer like some other teams do. We just don't do that. We uh, we sacrifice that for structural integrity against the run. And do we try to convert to pass rushers? That's something I think we can do a better job at. But on third down, we are we are top 10 nationally in getting after the quarterback on third and fourth down. We're also number two nationally last year in pass rush grade on third and fourth down when we were blitzing. So I know the sack numbers weren't necessarily elite, but we were still doing what – with what our coaches allowed them to do, they were still doing extraordinarily well. We also returned the top eight players and quarterback pressures from last year. They're all coming back. Um, and, and, like, we've seen all those guys outside linebacker, and they were all very good last year. And I think they're going to be even better this year. I think that's that's the reasonable expectation. And it's not, it's not even just the pressure, but what they allow us to do with their versatility uh, schematically from a defensive perspective, being able to – to drop in coverage, to rush the passer, to play the run, the versatility they allow us to work with and operate with, thats it's invaluable. It allows us to do so much, and it's, a, it's such a key part of our defensive success, even if they're not getting guys down the ground every play w- with sacks. I, I'm just extraordinarily high on what we have at outside linebacker coming back, and I think this is going to be the top position group on the team this year. Uh, all right, who do you have coming in number two? Uh, number two, I'm going with the safeties. Um, I think that we're – I actually think that our second – our safeties will be better this year than they were last year. Um, just because I believe Lewis Seen is a – he may not be the leader and know the defense as well as Jr. did, especially in hit last year, um, but I believe he's just a, a more of a baller at that position. I mean, you saw yeah. him come in and lay the wood, especially in that Baylor game. Um, he's, I think he's a more physical tackler, and I think he's just a better athlete overall. Yeah, I think Lewis Seen's going to be a baller. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I had the safeties a little bit lower. I had them at number five. And the only re- – I'm extraordinarily high on the guys that we have at the top of the line. Richard LeCount and Lewis Seen. I think they're as good as it gets um, in the SEC, honestly, right now at the safety position. I just have questions about the quality depth right now. I think we have a lot of youth. Honestly, Curtis, who are our backups at safety right now? Um, I mean, I think you could see people – I mean, some of these people that are in the well, start. Cross training guys. Yeah, I think Devon Wilson – or Devon, if he had to go somewhere, yeah. it's safety. And I would, yeah. I would be comfortable with him back there. Maybe Tyson Campbell, like with his length, I, I, but I mean, he's played corner for us the entire time. I, I think we have guys that can play back there if put if if needed. Uh, I think some of the freshmen coming in, coming in this year, like Jalen Kimber, Major Burns, Darren Branch. I think those guys could potentially project to safety. And uh, I think I honestly, I think I, I would expect to see a couple of those guys in, in the two deep. That's my only concern of safety right now. I, I love LeCount and Scene. I just don't know exactly what it looks like behind them right now. So for me, that's why I had them a little bit further down the list than you did. So uh, I guess that means you have cornerback coming in at number one on your position rankings. Why corners at number one? Um, you kind of like what you mentioned for the outside linebackers. You're returning literally every single starter that we've had um, between Stokes, uh, Daniels, and Campbell. And then you throw in who I think was the best player in our class last year with Keely Ringo. Yep. Um, and I think just, just those four right there are a very deadly first four punch for you. Yeah, I would love to argue with you here and tell you that you're wrong, but you're really not. I, I have outside linebackers at number one, but the cornerbacks were the other group that I was considering very strongly. Had to sit and think about it for a minute or two. Uh, I also mean with the outside linebackers, but the cornerbacks, I think you could make the argument, had the most NFL talent overall of any position group on the team. I mean, think about these names. We're talking about Eric Stokes, DJ Daniel, Tyson Campbell, Tyreek Stevenson, Mark Webb, Devon Wilson, throwing Keely Ringo in there as well, who who you mentioned as well, Kerb. I think Keely Ringo 
not only would I say I think he might end up being the best player in our 2020 class, I think he might end up being the best overall player in the entire 2020 class overall. That's how good I think that guy can be, ultimately down the road. I think, I mean, I, I extraordinarily high on what he can be. He's got the size, length, speed, athleticism, everything you could want in a cornerback. He is the prototype that Kirby's been looking for. We've had some really good guys at corner. Stokes, Campbell, Daniel, Stevenson's good. Although he hasn't really played outside at corner. But Keely Ringo might ultimately end up being the best of all of those guys. So I really think you can make the argument that we might have more overall talent at the cornerback position in 2020 than we do at any one other position on the team. The only reason I have the outside linebackers ahead of cornerbacks right now is that with the outside linebackers, we've seen all of those guys. Um, and we have a, at cornerback, we have a, we just have a couple of guys that I think have extraordinarily high ceilings. But the thing is, those guys who I think have the highest ceiling at the cornerback position, the Keeley, Ringos, the Tyreek Stevens, and those kind of guys, even to a lesser degree, the, the Tyson Campbells. Um, we saw him play as a true freshman. We, we didn't see much of Tyson Campbell at all last year, at least not a healthy Tyson Campbell, which I think was uh, a much improved Tyson Campbell when he was healthy, just didn't see much of it last year. Those guys, I think, ultimately have the highest ceiling at the cornerback position. We just haven't seen them produce as much yet as... We've seen the guys at outside linebacker, whether it's Aziz Ojolari, Nolan Smith, Jermaine, uh, Adam Anderson, Walter Grant to a lesser degree. So yeah, like, you're not wrong here. I'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong. I, th- I do think we have more talent at that position at cornerback than any other position on the team. It's just some of the more talented guys at that position, I just don't know if we've seen them produce as much as the outside linebackers. Now, that's that's a thin argument, I know, but I was... Uh, this is a very close battle between those two, and that's ultimately why I sided with the outside linebackers. But when it's all said and done at the end of this year, uh, I might be singing a different tune, and it might be the cornerbacks uh, that make a very strong case to be number one at the end of the 2020 season. These guys, they're elite. There's no doubt about it. I'm extraordinarily excited to see what guys like like Tyreek Stevens can do with a full year under his belt. Tyson Campbell... Now that he's back healthy, and, and where exactly does Keely Ringo fit in? Because I think he has the highest upside of, of any of these guys, potentially. But we have a pretty stacked group right now. We have a lot of experience coming back, and it's going to be tough for him to find a spot. But uh, he's that talented. I wouldn't count him out at all. So there's a lot of excitement there for me. I love. I cannot wait to the fall camp. And I'm going to be trying to find out any and everything I possibly can about what's going on with the voluntary workouts. I know that might be kind of difficult because... With how it's set up, there's not that many people that are actually allowed to be there. In a lot of cases, even the street staff has to meet with the guys like virtually. So yeah, I don't know what I'll be able to find out, but I'm going to be turning over every stone I possibly can, every rock I can to try to find out anything because I'm that starved for some Georgia football news. There's no doubt about it. Just like I'm sure all of you guys out there are as well. So to recap real quickly before we get out of here today, As far as our preseason 2020 Georgia football position rankings go, with the offensive line, Curtis had them coming in at number four on his list. I had them at number seven on my list. We both had the tight ends coming in dead last at number 10, but we also are both open to the idea that that position group could move up more once we get into the season and we see what we have there with some of the young, more inexperienced players. Uh, with the running backs, we both also had them coming in at number nine. Kind of the same thing with the tight ends. We think there's talent there. We just need to see it more on the field. With the quarterbacks, Curtis had the, that position coming in at number five on his list. I had them at number six on my list. With the wide receivers, we were also pretty close there. He had that number seven on his list. I had that number eight on my list. 
Defensive line, we were a little bit further apart here. Curtis had the defensive line coming in pretty low on his list at number eight. I had them in the top half of my rankings coming in at number four. The inside linebackers, also a little bit of a difference here. Curtis had them at number six in his rankings. I had them all the way up at number three in my individual rankings. Outside linebacker, we're both pretty high on this group here. I had them at number one, while Curtis had them at number three on his list. With the cornerbacks, well, we're very, very close here. Curtis had them at number one on his overall rankings list. I had them at number two. And I can certainly see the argument for them being number one. And then finally, the safeties, Curtis had them at number two on in his rankings. I had them at number five in mine. We'd also love to know where you guys land when it comes to these position rankings. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with Curtis? Are we both completely off base here on a couple of these? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can hit us up on Twitter. That's at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us your thoughts at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. But all right, guys, thanks for listening today. We really, really do appreciate it. We hope you guys enjoyed this show. We will be back next week. We got you guys covered all offseason long. We've, we've had you covered. We've done our best. We've tried our best to have you guys covered through this whole pandemic with really no news going on. Very little news. I guess we had some JT Daniel news recently and some Todd Munkin news with his contract talking about earlier in the week. But we've been doing our best to, to have you guys covered here and give you something to, uh, to listen to in terms of Georgia football sports talk. And we'll continue to do that throughout the rest of the offseason. We have a lot of stuff planned that I think you guys are really going to like. We're going to start rolling out our annual Summer Scouting the Enemy series that we do each and every year. We've done that from the going back to the very beginning of this show, what, six or so years ago now. And that's always one of our most well-received summer features. And we'll certainly have that back. I've already been hard at work breaking down the tape of Virginia since there. And if you guys aren't familiar, if you're one of the newer listeners, the Scouting the Enemy series, basically it's... It's our way to go through the schedule from top to bottom, and we we preview every single Power 5 team. We break down their tape when we give you guys an early summer preview of what we're going to face when we get to those games later on in the fall. Obviously, when we get to them in the fall, we'll cover them even more in depth, but we want to give you guys an early summer taste of, of what's going to go down. We'll give you the stats, the schemes, the players, the coaches, all that kind of stuff. We'll kind of break it down as exhaustively as we possibly can. So I am well into my Virginia prep since they are in week one. So we'll get to that here very shortly. So a lot of great stuff planned for you guys the rest of the way. We really appreciate you. Thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.